0: actually overall, over 10 years, your risk of death and your risk of cancer is lower despite those exposures.
1: We all know we should be doing more exercise. I personally have guilt every time I decide to get the tube to work instead of cycling. But at the back of my mind is always that risk that cycling through central London might be the death of me as it has been for many cyclists who've been involved in road traffic accidents. The real risk of that is hard to kind of intuitively balance against those potential cardiovascular benefits um, of extra exercise, and then it gets even more confusing when we think about air pollution and how to take that into account. I'm Duncan Jarvis, multimedia editor here at the BMJ, and to talk about all of those issues, I'm joined by two researchers from the Institute of Cardiovascular and Medical Sciences at the University of Glasgow, who are both co-authors of a new paper just published on bmj.com. Paul Welsh is a senior lecturer there. Hello, Paul. Hi, Duncan. And Carlos Sellis is a research fellow at the Institute. Hello, Carlos. Hi there, Duncan. Um, so, looking back to when you you were first sort of thinking about this, what was the genesis of the study? What made you decide that working out, you know, the the actual you know risk balance of of cycling to work um, was worth looking at? So that is
0: quite a a, a long story. Um, we have had a, a history of working in, in in the cycling area and looking at physical activity research in general. Um, and we had a, a paper published in, in the BMG in 2017 looking at the benefits of cycling within the, the UK Biobank study as well. And as an extension of that, we've started working with British Cycling and their sponsors HSBC to look at um, some interventions that potentially might engage people more with uh, commute, commuting to cycling. So as a result of all of that, Uh, Work that we've been doing, we've got an awful lot of informal and formal feedback on uh, the the previously published work. And one of these things, as you identified earlier on, that keeps coming up is well, okay, so there's benefits, but what about the risks? Um, Our own local hospital had uh, an issue not so long ago with a a number of different healthcare professionals um, laid up with injuries as a result of commuter cycling to work. And it caused us to have a roundtable discussion where we all talked about our own experiences of cycling. And it became apparent that anecdotally, we all had um, very different experiences of, of who'd been injured while commuting to work and who hadn't. And it kind of posed the question, well, let's have a look at the national statistics and see what they say. But when you drill down into the national statistics, that there is an issue in terms of it tends to rely on what are the, the STATS-19 reports. So those are the the reports that go to the police as a result of serious accidents that are obviously reported to the police. So we're likely to underestimate the number of minor injuries that occur yeah. as well. So as a cyclist myself, and I'm on my bike, as you said, I, I wonder to myself, well, this, I hope, is giving me some benefit. But what are the risks that I'm exposing myself to? And this was really an attempt, this study, to put those risks and benefits into real world numbers to help people make an informed decision and also to help policymakers make informed decisions as well.
1: And when we're thinking about that sort of policy level, uh, that public health level, perhaps, you know, it's important to to understand, you know, how much of that sort of perceived risk is actually a barrier to, to people um, cycling as well as uh, <laughs> you know whether it is healthier overall so um you yeah, know when it comes to that sort of thought process like mine and, and yours uh, do we know how how
2: much people worry about that well if we look some of the national statistics uh, what we found is that people actually is quite concerned about safety when they cycle to work or when they cycle overall and if we look some of the British Cycling 2007 Annual Population Survey, what we found is that 64% of the responders agree or strongly agree that cycling on roads is too dangerous. Um, So that was a kind of surprise for us because uh, we thought that maybe some of the barriers would be related to something different. But was safety one of the main things that came out as a barrier um, for cycling? So you mentioned already
1: that you were using the, the UK Biobank for this and that you'd previously um, published uh, about cycling and and the UK Biobank as uh, your data set. So I hadn't realised that they asked such broad questions about things like, you know, cycling and the distance that you have to go, which I suppose is important for the uh, the analysis, as well as all those kind of you know, biological, medical things that they, they measure. So how good is the info actually in there?
0: Yeah, it's an important question, obviously. And the, the honest answer is it's by no means perfect, uh, but we're, we're confident enough that it's, it's good to give us reliable data. So the the issue in studies like this is always going to be the trade-off between granularity as to how good your data is at an individual level versus the raw power of sheer numbers of participants in in, in 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 recruiting people to answer the question that you're interested in. So in UK Biobank, participants were asked on a typical day, what types of transport do you use to get to and from work? And they could answer that question with a number of different possible combinations. And broadly, we've looked at people that include cycling exclusively or as a, a mixed form of transport in their daily commute. So there, there's a bit of subjectivity involved in how people uh, that participated in this study, how they, who were involved in this study, and what they consider to be a typical day. And there's going to be variability that we don't capture here. So for instance, over the nine years of, of follow-up that we have, people might change the way that they commute, um, or might change the location that they're commuting from. So if we want to design a study from scratch to look at this issue specifically, we might want to ask much more specific questions, ask people to keep transport diaries, label them with a GPS tracker. But even that in and of itself would have its own weaknesses. And to be honest, you'd struggle to get the same number of participants. So we had about a quarter of a million participants in this study, and you would struggle to get that sort of raw power out of a study mm. with that much information um, in terms of measuring injuries, we've, we've done it a couple of different ways. We've looked specifically at, at, at hospitalizations for, for injury. Um, the hospitalization statistics include codes for external causes of hospitalizations like transport incidents. Um, but an issue arises when we think about someone who arrives at A&E with, like I did once with a, a, a suspected fractured risk. Um, I've fallen off my bike, but it happened the day before. So I've turned up wearing normal everyday clothes. And the question is, is that coded within the the statistics as a transport incident or is it coded just as a fractured risk? So what we've done is we've looked at that information both ways. We've looked generally at any hospitalisation and we've also looked at hospitalisations where it's coded specifically as a transport incident. And actually the data are fairly concordant. So th- there are there are strengths and weaknesses to the data but overall uk biobank is a massively powerful study and we think in terms of the weaknesses that that that, that um, any inaccuracies probably come out in the wash
1: mm. um i mean one bit of data that would be i presume really important to understanding this is is both geographical location so whether you're cycling in a town or in the country or or through the middle of london like i would be um and also the distance, because you know, if you're cycling for two minutes uh, versus twenty, you're you've exposed yourself to you know ten times as much traffic. Was there any sort of geographical data like that um, that you were
2: able to look at? Well, for in terms of distance, we have information on t- for how long participants cycled, and they would estimate how many miles they covered, and related that to injury risk. Uh, but unfortunately, based on the UK Biobank design, would not be wasn't able to collect data from different settings or rural versus urban locations, for example.
0: Yeah, so UK Biobank um, was pragmatically set up with twenty-two large centres, largely outside of um, just outside of cities. So less than 10% of the participants we looked at lived outside of classic urban or town areas. So we've got limited power to look at people living more rurally. Um, we don't see any formal statistical evidence that either rural uh, people living rurally are at differently associated risk, risk with cycling accidents. But again, we kind of lack a bit of power to, to, to look at that. Um, in terms of looking at people specifically um we know that people reported how far that they cycled to work but we don't actually know what route they took so again that's that's a potential limitation of the study but we we combine people into broadly different brackets of you cycle up to five miles for a commute six to ten miles for a commute and over 11 miles for a commute and we do see this trend where the further that you have to cycle the higher your increased risk of injury so we're fairly confident that those are probably indicating some sort of causal association
1: so you know with those those caveats about the um, pragmatic nature of the data that you're uh, you're able to access here um, you've gone through and you've analyzed it and um, all of those uh, analysis and and things are in the paper and I would I urge people to go and read them there because it comes through much better in text than it does in audio. But the interesting thing I thought was that, um, you know, in that first round of analysis, um, as you probably might expect, the demographics of the average participant, you know, in the the biobank, the people that are your your kind of baseline, um, and those who regularly cycle to work, are quite different, so you know, it's another layer of complexity uh, on top of the analysis. Um, could you describe what the, the the sort of average demographics of those uh, two groups are, and and then what you did to to further your analysis after that?
2: Well, you're quite right on that, Duncan. So if we look at uh, different patterns of commuting, and if we compare mainly cyclists versus those that do not active commuting, so they drive their cars to work. What we found is cyclists was more common in men compared to women, so 65% of men cycling to work. Uh, and as you say, um, they were different in terms of um, health. Um, so they have a lower prevalence of CVD, cancer, diabetes, hypertension. They were leaner, so the body mass index was lower, a lower prevalence of obesity, and as we expected, if you cycle to work, then you will be also more active. Uh, what was interesting, though, is that within these groups that we use for comparison, they were not different on, for example, age. Uh, so this is not related, not major um, confoundings came from that aspect of age of the um, average age on each of the groups. Uh, but we know that that will happen every time you just stratify your groups on physical activity levels, you know that there will be important difference. But we can model that into our analysis and try to account for some of those differences uh, into um, the estimates we are deriving in the study.
0: Yeah, so when we look at the study, what we see in data that just adjust for age and sex is that cyclists are at 67% increased risk of an injury but then when we adjust for all those other additional factors that Carlos talked about we see an attenuation so that cyclists are at 45% increased risk of injury so those risk factors do explain some of the injuries that we see those differences in demographics and profile but they don't explain all of it.
1: So then I suppose this comes to the the big question when you summed up all of your uh, analysis when you looked at the data what was it that you found is it uh, on average, in the UK, perhaps more healthy to to cycle, or um, does the 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 chance of accident outweigh the the benefits from that com- active commute?
2: We, what, what we found is the key findings of of our study was that people who cycle have a high risk of injuries. So, if we present that in absolute numbers, what you will find if if um, a thousand people change the commute mode to involve in cycling, what we'll find is that you will have additional 26 injuries. Uh, and if we go farther on this, what you will have also is uh, a high risk, well, at, at three more admissions related to injuries that require people to stay for one week or more in hospitals. But then if we compare that with benefits associated with reductions on risk of cardiovascular disease or cancer or or all-cause deaths, what we found is that you will prevent or you will have 15 fewer events of cancer, four fewer uh, events of cardiovascular disease, and three fewer uh, deaths overall. So definitely health benefits um, overcome actually the risk associated with cycling.
0: Yeah, so if you speak to people about their perception of risk involving cycling, um, people are very concerned, obviously, as you identified earlier on, about the risk of death, which is an understandable concern. Mm-hmm. And they're also Cautious about the risks that derive increasingly from pollution because we're all a bit more aware of the pollution, particularly in urban areas. But actually what comes out of the wash in this analysis is even though you are exposed to those risks of pollution and of um, being involved in a cycling death, actually overall, over 10 years, your risk of death and your risk of cancer is lower despite those exposures. So remember, these cyclists were all cycling to work in the same environments that we all have to cycle or travel or, or walk to work in. So this is a, a real world study. It's not just modelling um, these people were exposed to those risks and still see those okay. health benefits.
1: And um, as you mentioned, you stratified, you know, the, the amount of cycling that people do in different ways. Is there a kind of, you know, ceiling um, or uh, is it a, a linear effect? You know, when you looked at your stratified Uh, cyclists, do you see any different patterns there?
0: Um, So we don't really see um, very, very strong um, cutoffs, if you like. The the problem, of course, is in terms of the the amount of data we've got to start stratifying people into different groups. Um, We don't formally see any differences um, or any big differences um, in terms of benefits with the distance that people are cycling. Um, but there is, as I say, increased risk of, of injury the further that you cycle. Um, now, it might just be that we need a bit more power to, to look at that trend with distance, or as you say, it, it's just a bit inaccurate to, to um, inaccurately recorded to look at things in, in more detail. Um, but certainly, that it's something that we we we're, we're cognizant of and something that's important to look at in the future
1: mm. now when looking at that i suppose um this this you always wonder what this means for for public health and you know a complaint that people have is that cycling isn't safe in the city and that's you know, a push for local authorities to start putting in things like dedicated cycle lanes and perhaps safer cycle lanes that are um, separated from traffic through some sort of uh, physical means, not just a a line on the road. And um, I wonder, you know, what does your research mean for that? Because it seems like perhaps that isn't uh, totally necessary in terms of making um, cycling, you know, Beneficial at a a public health level,
0: it it, it's not necessarily um, required, if you like, from that point of view. But what we've seen since the nineteen forties is that the the number of miles cycled in the UK has actually fallen off a off a cliff from the 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 sort of the nineteen fifties to the nineteen seventies when cars became more prevalent. And actually, the numbers have bumped along at very low levels in terms of billions of miles cycled um, by the UK population ever since. And we get very excited about very small changes in the, the number of people cycling or the distance that people cycle. But actually, there's huge room for growth here. But the only way that people will participate in cycling, improve their health, take burden off the health system, um, take the burden off the environment is if they perceive it to be safe. And the only way that they will perceive it to be safe is if there's that investment there um, in terms of um, making uh, segregated cycle paths. So, So to use my own experience as an example, I'm fortunate enough to live on a cycle path that takes me most of the way to work. Would I, and it's a segregated cycle path, would I be happy going the whole way on the road? I'm not entirely sure. And I certainly don't let my children to cycle to school because locally, I don't think the roads are safe enough to allow that. So um, I think anecdotally, the evidence is there that um, if you want to make cycling more accessible to people, then there simply has to be the infrastructure spend. The trade-off between cycling space pedestrian space car space it's become sort of quite a, a tribalistic narrative that we're, we're we're keen to avoid going down that road because at the end of the day we're we're probably not one thing or the other we we all use different modes of transport and and we're all people just trying to get somewhere so i don't think anyone's really out to hurt each other um, but we probably need to look at sacrificing some road space to to make Segregated psychopaths of reality in this country, um, and that obviously costs money. That's one of the issues. But the, the government's own statistics support investment. So um, the, the the Department of Health and the Department of Transport statistics put the benefit to cost ratio at five to one and thirteen to one. So for every pound you spend on active transport infrastructure, you can expect back from the economy um, five between five and thirteen pounds of benefit. So although it would be costly to make that sort of investment, um, we, we think there is evidence there to support doing that.
1: And I suppose this, uh, you know, also begs the question that, you know, this is a starting point, but maybe we do want some further analysis into um, areas where cycling infrastructure, like you say, has been improved um, and places where perhaps it, it hasn't. And if there is a uh, if the maths works out even even better for cycling, if it it's even more healthy in those plays, I suppose we can speculate that it is, but uh, uh, a magnitude of difference might be useful to have as well.
0: Yeah, so those sorts of ecological studies are are, are very difficult to, to do, to look at causal associations after, um, but it certainly is possible. One of the things that the reviewers did ask us to look at in publishing this study was that, is there any evidence that cycling is safer after January 2010, which um, in, in some settings has been taken as a cutoff for when infrastructure spending on cycling increased a little bit. So we looked at the data um, using that particular cutoff and actually we didn't formally see any improvement in the safety of cycling between uh, after January 2010, uh, people that were recruited after January 2010. So we, we haven't formally seen that in this analysis. But um, to be honest, I think a study like that would probably have to um, look in great detail at the infrastructure and changes in infrastructure in individual areas to to really address that question. It's maybe not, uh, it's an important question, but it's maybe not something that a study like this, which is quite general and high level to look at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that article that we've been talking about, Associations of Injury-Related Hospitalisation with Commuting by Bicycle in the UK, a prospective population-based study, is now published on bmj.com. Carlos, Paul, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us on the podcast.
2: Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Duncan.